Do you believe in the blue guys? Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. Uh, NetsDaily.com. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. Is that what you wanted? That's what I wanted. Mike always nerfs it on the on the share intro. And then everyone online feeds off of your negativity. Oh, yeah. I'm the reason why they don't like they the drops. They feed off of it. Yeah, they, sure. They leap on the opportunity. Um vampires here now i love you guys love you guys out in in twitter twitter sphere twitter, <laughs> twitter. <laughs> out, out in twitter um we are the glue guys uh netsdaily.com all money baller radio uh, itunes stitcher everywhere you get podcasts we are there heck yeah uh brian so sorry i'm i'm distracted obviously because i'm we have a new piece of equipment it's extremely exciting Nobody, make our audio sound better. Like nobody cares. But I'm obviously You're, monitoring it. Hey, how we doing? <laughs> Nets Summer League, baby. Nets we have, Summer League. We have new we have new um drops. Do you want to try one? Well all right, we'll integrate. Well, which them. one should we do for, do you want to you mean you want to do the new game? Uh yeah, let's start off with that. Okay. Okay, first of all. Oh god. A ball of tweed. Is why you fail. This is a new section, a segment that uh, Mike thought up where he's, so he's been saying things on Twitter and then people um, get angry at him and so he has to apologize <laughs> for them, basically. It's called Apollo Tweet. Yeah. Uh, there are two tweets I like to apologize for, but not actually apologize for. Okay. The first one is having to do with the Nets' most famous fan, Jay-Z. Mm. I tweeted... Without ever listening to. <laughs> That's the best detail. Yeah. Uh, Jay-Z's new album, 444. Yeah. Fo-fo-fo. I said it was average, and I got savaged yeah. on Twitter. Our mentions and right, were bleeding. And so. Like, Carrie. It was a particularly funny one to, like, troll about. So, first of all, everyone, like, Mike is a good-hearted troll. I want to say that. <laughs> he. I think he means well. I don't think he means to, to offend everybody. Um, but I went back and like I hadn't listened to any of the Jay Z album. I was like, well, maybe I should educate myself a little bit about what, yeah, what, uh, what you're panning. And it's like you know, very socially conscious, like, <laughs> like really important, you know, music. And it's really good. And it's great. <laughs> I just so. started listening to it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, and I love it. Um, yeah. So I apologize tweet for that. Um, and first one to tweet at us if they recognize the voice within that, not the first part, but the second part. It's a Darren you, you get a retweet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, there you go. We will do more prizes next season. We will have prizes for our. We'll do a game show podcast. I think yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll figure out a way It'll to do that. Um, my second Apollo tweet is actually not an Apollo tweet for the Milton Doyle. I thing. feel yeah, the Milton Doyle thing. <laughs> one, we'll talk Nets summer league. Yeah, Milton Doyle is the absolute star performance brad pitt in that movie where he was like shirtless that's milton doyle which movie fight club like the first one that he was win with like gina davis oh um oh god what is it um is that it's not bonnie and clyde but it's like no. the same right it's Ugh. two people's names it'll come to me if i stop anyways milton doyle Thelma and louise yes milton doyle is amazing but i tweeted uh i thought long and hard about this and i believe milton doyle is better than karis lavert 
people got so the, mad. The, the, I've, the I've thought long and hard about this like qualifier is also what gets you into trouble because it definitely doesn't seem like you're messing around when you say that. Yeah. But to be honest oh, about it. Stop. But you're, to be honest. Who, who was a better player? Archie Goodwin was better than Milton Doyle in some yeah. really tr- hard facts. Archie Doyle's unimpeachable. No, Milton Doyle. You're ta- Archie Goodwin. You said Archie Doyle. Archie Doyle. <laughs> I wish they were the same. They were Don't melded even, together even, into one little monster. Mike, Mike doesn't even know the roster people. <laughs> <laughs> Who was better this summer league? Milton Doyle, Karis LeVert. Stop! Don't Brian, even, <laughs> Brian, answer the question. Stop. All of you, was, all everyone out there, who it, who is better? It, just answer the question. Karis Levert, and I have no qualms <laughs> with saying that. But I do not apologize for loving. And I also Doyle. hate the parameters of this conversation. The who was better is always who was better, Brian. Yeah, Kobe or or MJ. Right. Um. <clears throat> so, anyways, but let's Nets summer league. The Nets tragically lost to the Lakers and Lonzo Ball. You know, I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to Nets in a second, but the I am taken by surprise by how much attention is actually being paid to Lonzo Ball. I, I was like pretty stunned. Like there is a, an audible roar in the crowd every time he touches the ball at Summer League. It's a little much, frankly. And I mean, I get it, but like like it, that you're going to ruin that child's sense of self like really quickly. But also, it's, I mean, it's the obvious thing to point out that his dad is so loud and brash, but him on the court is such yeah. a giving player and all about his teammates <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. It's just strange. I don't know. For, for some reason, I thought when after the draft and after like Lonzo finally was delivered to the Lakers, that there would be sort of a calming down of the Lonzo fever. Yeah. We've already had LeBron, I guess, Instagram or tweet about Lonzo and the shoes he was wearing. So his shoes became a storyline. Mm-hmm. His bad play in one game became a storyline that then turned into like a complete role reversal because he was amazing in yeah. Summer League. And now we're, I guess I didn't believe that. I thought this was a draft storyline that would be mushed into the massive universe of NBA stories. That in fact, it's one of the brightest stars this offseason has already. Mm-hmm. And this upcoming season, I guess every game is going to be a referendum on the Lonzo Ball pick. Um, there's going to be a lot of um, like checking in on what the Lakers are doing, especially Kyle Kuzma. I mean, I don't know if he's the second coming of Clay Thompson, but you mean he, the Nets pick? He is going to be. He's go- certainly going to play like it every time he plays the Nets. That 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 much I'm certain of. Yeah, um, you can already see. <laughs> we've already we've had some emails about yeah. people being so angry about the 27th yeah. pick being included. He does look fluid out there. Yeah. Fluid. And that was a spot. I mean, I know they picked Jared Allen five picks before that, but that there's a bunch of dudes in that late 20s that I I really liked that are look amazing in Summer League. But I think, again, it needs to be pointed out, Summer League is, uh, I think it's not even the G League. Mm. It's probably not in terms of level of quality. Sub G League. So I would be... It'd be super careful, but Milton Doyle is so young guys, just true. baby boys. You're just a baby boy. You don't know any better. Um, Milton Doyle, does he have to make this team? Um, uh, I think they're pretty high on him, to be honest with you. I don't know where he's going to get his minutes. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's but, pre- it's pretty incredible that they found him because he was went to Loyola. I can't. But I do. I don't Chicago. want to just look right past what RJ Goodwin's been doing in summer league though for. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll, so, what do we take? What do we make of Archie Goodwin at this point? I love his line drive three. That thing is a missile. Yeah, a tomahawk. Um, 
but yeah i think the like takeaway is um that he is like going to be gunning for someone's minutes and i think he should be taken seriously well, and I think this is maybe because Kenny Atkinson was coaching the Summer League team, but the Nets overall looked more professional mm. on the court. I mean, they, I mean they, they didn't win a ton of games, but you know they made it to the quarterfinals of the, the Summer League playoffs. But they looked more professional on the court. The guys seemed like they knew what they were actually playing basketball because a lot of times Summer League dudes just jack up shots and just try to get points. Yeah, And that didn't happen here, but Brian... Um, awesome. Yeah. No, we're sitting on a you know a, a treasure trove of Milton Doyle. <laughs> you know, there's lots to take away. But um, is that all the tweeting apologies you needed to? Those are my only two apology tweets. Okay. But we're gonna we're gonna keep bringing it up. I'm not gonna intentionally tweet things. I actually don't. I still look back fondly on those tweets. Um, but I also I think apology we can go in so many different directions. It can go into having people. Send us their own apologies. <laughs> thing that things that they feel bad about. Oh, oh wait, I get what this is now. This is this is you just laying the groundwork on having a bunch of people apologize, apologize to you to me. Yeah, <laughs> good. If you notice, my actual apologies were not apologies. They were right. me pointing out how funny I am, yeah. and I yeah. want people like Yves Debu, the guy who tweets at us all the time. Eve, yeah, like Eve Saint Laurent. He, I deserve many apologies from him. <laughs> Because I'm right all the time. Oh, you, heard it, wrong. you heard it here. I'm telling you, Brian. Um, so we kind of promised one thing. Last podcast, last podcast we did, we promised that we would talk about the Nets playoff chances. Yeah. Um, Dude, this is actually, I just realized this. I had a dream about the Nets making the playoffs last night. I swear. I swear <laughs> to you. Did you, did, you had, did you watch Game of Thrones? No. And did you look into fire? And that's where you saw it, because that's what happened in the past episode. Uh, no, I didn't do any of that. What, what did the dream look like? What were the images within those Sometimes, dreams? Do you ever have a dream that's like it's more of like a concept than the actual thing happening? It was sort of yeah. like it was sort of like a given that like oh the Nets were in the playoffs this year, like throughout the dream. You know it wasn't I mean? like you were sitting in Barclays. No, yeah, you it wasn't saw like that. Jeremy Lin hit a three and right, but they, it was like sort you, of you felt it. The universe was yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a, it was a Nets in the playoffs universe. Um. So, you know, I, the way I'm going to break this down is essentially, I think there's some definites already in the East. The East is weaker now than they w- it was last season in terms of the amount of teams that maybe will be competing. Um, I, f- I see four teams, and you could stop me whenever you feel like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in a wrong area. But four teams are sure things. Celtics, mm-hmm. Cavs, Raptors, and Wizards. I feel like those teams will likely 100% be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Two probables, Bucks and Heat. Mm-hmm. Heat, maybe you never know because, meh. Yeah. but the Bucks, you would think. I didn't want to put them in the sure thing just because. I feel like that's a sh- almost a uh, almost a sure yeah, thing, yeah. right? Barring some tra- travesty. So that's six teams already. I have three as the maybes: Pistons, maybe hard maybe Hornets, maybe yeah, hard maybe. Yeah, you're right. Seventy Sixers in the maybe zone is a fair bit of non competition. So here's the question. Okay, the next level down is the fringe. Um, are the Nets a fringe? And here are my fringes. Hawks, Nets, Magic, Pacers. I don't think... The, I mean, the Pacers, I don't know. But, or are they a maybe? Are, are, are we saying the Nets are going to be good enough to where they're on the level of the Pistons, Hornets, 76ers, where it's like all those teams are teams that will definitely not tank. Yeah. They're all going to go for it. And they all have some level of talent. The 76ers have talent because they're young and they're super talented, but they don't have the uh, 
the experience of doing it. The Hornets and the Pistons are the same sort of team where they're in this weird part of the NBA that they just don't tank. And they've, they're motivated, one, the Hornets are by their owner to win, and the Pistons are motivated by their coach not to suck. Well, it's, yeah, it's tricky because so we hit our stride last year at around March, you know, and yeah. that looked like a a maybe a beyond a beyond fringe team. Um, but, you know, we had only just gotten our second player best our second best player back um, from injury, your friend Jeremy Lin. And uh, <laughs> then we just traded Brooke Lopez. So I think there is going to be a um, again this it's 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 an oddly constructed team at present um oddly constructed teams can do very well i think it takes a little bit longer for everyone to feel comfortable and especially when you add a player of um d'angelo russell's sort of uh, i I don't know i don't know where he is in his career how many touches he's going to want probably a ton and he's probably going to take a ton of shots um so like mitigating the personality potential issues there and like getting everyone to buy in it could take a couple months and cost a fair amount of wins i don't expect this to this team to hit the ground running i guess is my big yeah my big point in terms of their construction at least they're constructed in the guard heavy sense because you'd rather be guard heavy than right big man heavy the way the nba is played today sure um so like i've been trying to figure out let's imagine a world where jeremy lynn is Let's say we get 70 games from him, okay? So you have 70-game Jeremy Lin, uh, 82 or whatever of D'Angelo Russell. Um, <laughs> Such bias. Such heinous bias. No, no, but I'm just – let's say, like, D'Angelo Russell's a normal NBA player that plays pretty much every game. He maybe sits one, mm-hmm. you know, or two on a back-to-back or whatever. More Jeremy Lin, added D'Angelo Russell, improvement from Levert, Whitehead, Ronde, you get you get last season Ronde molding into this season. You get the same guy that you had at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, do, is that a better team than last year, where you had Brooke Lopez, who's better than any of the guys on the team this year, but now now he's completely gone out of the picture, and you're replacing Brooke Lopez with one of the worst centers in the NBA, in Timofey Mozgov. I'm trying to figure out if the math on that. Makes mm-hmm. sense. I think if you hit all of those points, healthy Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, even doing just the same as last year, yeah. and improvement bumps by every young dude, that is a better team. But I, the percent chance of that happening, I think, is yeah. Not I mean, if high. it if it weren't for my prophetic dream, I would be much more pessimistic about this whole thing. But because I have the gift of foresight, right? Um, you know, I'm a little bit more gung ho about him this year. I do think that, like, I even watched in Summer League, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson almost, like, become reminded of his of his own, of what was working last year when things were working, like, in the course of it. Like, by the by yes. the, the last game, he was, like, <clears throat> just helping, he was, like, primarily helping on defense as, like, a rim protector. He was, like, the second, the second guy, and he was trying to, like, contest shots at the rim, which is when he's at his best, you know? Like, when he's doing that kind of work, uh, able to, like, switch out on things happening at the perimeter when necessary, but like uh, he's really like coming into the I'm going to be playing a four now. I'm going to be the guy that's playing this position. Um, and it started out like in the first couple of games, he was like, maybe I'm that like the guy that starts the break. Am I? Oh yeah, I'm not. I, no. oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is funny, and if so, 
And like, so there's a big concern, right, that this team doesn't have enough rebounding or size, and Rondé is going to get abused in the post. But to be honest, name me five guys who are power forwards who can abuse people in the post. Paul Millsap just got paid thirty million dollars a year to go to the Nuggets. He's not a post player anymore. He was at one point in his career, but that's not what he does anymore. Um, I'm less concerned about Rondé's size. I am concerned overall that you know they're like the problem the Celtics had last year where. They just there what they didn't have any chance to get second chance points because they didn't have enough dudes on the floor who could get the rebound. They're gonna have that issue this year, the Nets are. But Rondé as a help defender, slashing four who doesn't have to shoot threes anymore, like we can just remove that from his game. Yeah, will be effective. Um, but play. I mean, do you think in percent chance? I'm not gonna ask you, but do you think the Nets could make the playoffs? What's the scenario that you see that the Nets are making the playoffs? Um, you could say no, too. I mean, I think that the scenario that happens is uh, it's going to be all from the player development perspective. Like, all of those cylinders have to hit at the same time. I think it's possible. to be. I'm going to be very honest with you. I think it's possible. Uh, I'm not going to give you the percent chance, but it's in the... It's, it's, not, it's not negligible. Right. Um, it's a maybe. It's a, like it's a solid maybe and it's because like I I whenever I think of like a well, like a player whose ceiling I have yet to see and who I think has like a, a an interesting one Whitehead, Dinwiddie, uh Lavert, you know, a bunch of guys come to mind where I'm like I have not I they are still finding their way and if they all find their way at the same time it could be an interesting group. Well, and I think there's a crucial aspect to this is that because the, there's no idea even in anyone's head that the Nets should tank, right. that's not a possibility. I think right. that leads to improvement sure. because there's nothing from the coaching staff that's saying, you know what, we're just going to let uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson run the point because might as well give him this rep. Like, I'm yeah. just literally a random idea just to be thrown out there. The only idea in everyone's head is is growth and winning yeah. because there's no point in doing anything else. Yeah, I'm really happy that... KCP took that LA contract. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a strange move. That's obviously LeBron tweeted about it because they share the same agency, which is the agency LeBron owns and everyone sort of picked through that. Basically mm-hmm. you're giving KCP a ton of money as a bonus to LeBron. Um, but uh it still never made sense why they would want him. I understand the whole he's twenty four and he six foot six, so he could play some three. Talented enough, but again, the the path that's going to get them back to respectability, back to competitiveness, is not just throwing money at semi talented players and then building a team of just got pieces that aren't like super compatible. Mm-hmm. They need to build a full team. And spend their money wisely because, as we've already seen, the salary cap has flattened. It's back to being flat. And you can't just throw money away um, randomly uh, at, at guys. I mean, that even if you even if they gave him a one-year deal, to be honest, that one-year deal is going to harm the Nets because then they're, they're paying growth and attention points to a dude that may not be there next season. Like, if, let's, if KCP had been offered, let's say... Tw- $14 million annually for three years, then it makes more sense. But if he was only wanting a one-year deal to get back out on the market, then it would never have made any sense for the Nets. Do you want to do some mail? 
Let's do some mail. There's a couple of mail uh, <clears throat> thingies. I'll just like you let this go. Mail time. Enough of that. Enough of that nonsense. Um, Dropgate f- is forever going on. By the way, I don't even understand it. I, I don't understand anti-drops. Drops are <laughs> you, so much you, fun. You know my. Give me the best one. What's position. the best drop we have? <laughs> Who was on crack? It's amazing. <laughs> I think it's amazing. That might be my favorite. Um, <clears throat> this is from Cheerboy. Hey, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Speaking of which, Cheerboy. Ryan Blake! <laughs> Good to get that out again. Um, Ryan Blake, thanks for hitting us up at netspod at gmail.com. Wow. That's where you reach me, um, and that's where I, I love to keep in touch with all of the uh, the listeners out there. Um, <clears throat> love the pod. Love you, Ryan. Not going to lie, when you guys periscoped after the draft, I thought Brian was going to look like Mike and vice versa. Ha <laughs> ha. What do you think that means? Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I w- please tell us what that means. I'm not sure. You may we're, not want to. We're both stunningly good looking, so yeah. I don't really you, know. You have a sleepier expression, though. Maybe that's what he is. You're just tired, though. But you're oh, just more and tired. you look tired? And I well, sound tired? Or I look, I, I look you tired? You look tired. You sound alert. I look oh, tired. I sound Levert. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <clears throat> it says, anyways, would... I do want to know what that means, though. What exactly? What does that mean? Man, I'm going to be racking my brain. I'm going to tell my wife that. Yeah. She's gonna, <laughs> anyways. going to be her dream. Would you want to be part of the Rockets-Knicks trade and take on Ryan Anderson? I think he's ah. really good, and everyone's ripping him. There's a good reason the Rockets had the great year, his great three-point shooting, and him spreading the floor for Harden. Um, so... You're not going to find bigger Ryan Anderson fans than than right here on this podcast. No, I, I love him. Um, love him completely. <laughs> I'm uh, a sucker for tall white dudes who can shoot threes. It's also like a sort of almost. Uh, I think he's got like 60 million left on a three year contract. Yeah, it's not even a salary dump. At that, I mean, it's yeah. it's not an albatross, but it's pretty. You're close. taking on a huge commitment. Yeah. To, to take on Ryan Anderson at this point. Um. So does that sound nice to you? Do you like the sound of playing him all that money or not so much to help out the Knicks? Okay, so it it is interesting and I so one yeah, you're helping out the Knicks, mm-hmm. which is not what you exactly care about doing, but I don't think Sean Marks would care. I mean, no. he only is nice. motivated by improving the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh Ryan Anderson would make a lot of sense on this team. He would be amazing in Atkinson's offense. You know, he would fit <laughs> pretty perfectly in mm-hmm. but in but for them to ever even think about doing that because one the nets if sean marks is smart that that would put the nets in the position of power they are the the agent from which this trade can happen this trade cannot happen without a team like the nets taking on ryan anderson mm-hmm. the knicks do not want ryan anderson um the, the rockets do want carmelo mm-hmm. and the only salary that really works unless you're going to give up i think they could do something like ariza and a couple of other guys, but still the Knicks wouldn't want those dudes. The Nets would need to have um, a high potential first-round pick attached, essentially the Knicks pick. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks aren't going to give up their pick to then get rid of Carmelo so then they don't have to take on Ryan Anderson. That's why this four-team well, trade, the way they talk about four-team trades, it ha- that's the only way it has to happen. Well, I mean, if things really go south, I mean, it seems like they're – 
trying to uh, rescind the whole thing right now, doesn't it? I mean, the whole the reports out today were that they're trying to uh, you know dial back the trade banter. Um, how how like first of all, how many times can they possibly do this without damaging? It's just further damaging their rapport with a player who's basically got a foot out the door. Um, who's apparently is like him and Kristaps, you mean Carmelo, foot out the door? Mm-hmm. Kristaps Porzingis and him are apparently like not close, but there's like a legit respect, and Kristaps looks up to him. Sure. So what you're doing is you're not only damaging Carmelo, which is a, a dead issue, right. you're damaging what Kristaps is looking at and saying, yeah. you know, How are they handling this? Like, do I want to, why would I, like, at some point we're going to hear stories how Kristaps wants to leave New York. Yeah. And once that starts happening, then there's just going to be a, a cascade of more trade offers back to the Knicks. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see. No, I this. think. I think your uh, like your contingency plan is right. You would have to have that first round pick attached to it. They wouldn't want to trade a first round pick along with Carmelo Anthony. That wouldn't make sense on their end. But this is, you know, that's what you sign. That's what you can consign yourself to when you give people no trade clauses. Like <clears throat> you should never do it, and it only ends up being a terrible situation. Well, and that was such a weird one because there's no rush to give Carmelo. Yeah. No one else was out there wanting to give Carmelo the amount of money that they're giving him. You give a no trade clause if there's this massive market for a person, yeah. and that's the last little sweetener you can give someone to make them stay. And now you're trading a player to with a no trade clause attached to like to the next suitor, isn't that like it doesn't go away? Well, and like let's okay. So from the Nets' perspective, to be honest, actually, one first round pick is not even enough for Ryan Anderson because they're getting uh, Demar Car- Demar Carroll's getting thirty million dollars over the next two years, right? I think it's fifteen million dollars per year. Ryan Anderson would be $60 million over three years. The amount of money attached to that is basically like you're taking on two bad contracts. Right. One bad contract's one first-round pick. Two bad is two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. The only way this trade ever – the Nets could really get involved with this trade because I don't think the Rockets have first-round picks to really trade because they they maybe have given up – they gave up one in the Clippers deal, and I don't think there's like – I don't know if they have any other wiggle room. I looked at it a little while ago. There needs to be like some fourth team that randomly would want to come in on this and really want Ryan Anderson. But the problem with that is that if they really, really wanted Ryan Anderson, the Knicks would just take whatever future assets, anyways, yeah. for Ryan Anderson. But I, I do think like <clears throat> Ryan Anderson's getting dragged through dragged through the mud on this thing, though. Like he's he's a super valuable player to some team somewhere. Yeah, just not us now. <laughs> and that's what's so funny is that like I, what's going through Ryan Anderson's head at this moment when he's like. Because he was pretty valuable for them. He was a perfect signing for what they wanted to do last year. And immediately, the, he's looking at it as like, oh, so I'm not like valuable anymore. Right, I'm not like yeah. wanted, <laughs> desired at all by this. You can't, literally can't get rid of my contract? Oh, like, great. Everyone yeah. in the basketball community was so excited that they got Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, and yeah. that they were three-point shooting, spreading out with Harden orchestrating everything. Now they're the complete shift where they're like, oh, now we're going to actually give Chris Paul and Harden two mm-hmm. major ball handlers. And actually, we're going to add a third dude who consumes the ball yeah. and doesn't distribute in the way that, you know, it's yeah. not free-flowing basketball. What do you think? I mean, that's also a, a complicated situation, the D'Antoni relationship with with Carmelo. Yeah, and D'Antoni hasn't I, – I think he – so obviously the Suns players were good that he had, but to me he's the type of coach that takes um, sort of role players and bit parts along with the star and makes them better. Mm-hmm. Like he he didn't handle the Lakers situation well, 
the Knicks situation was just bad because the Knicks were terrible. Like he's he's a, a system ish coach where his system is you know basically like you know we're just going to shoot threes and run really fast. Um, I don't think it really works when like you're going to have three dudes on the team in Carmelo, James Harden, Chris Paul that are then going to create their own little identity where D'Antoni has no role in it. I mean, what, I mean, his offense would be dead, essentially, with those dudes. But anyways. Um, we'll do another piece of mail. Yeah. Next up, cheer boy, Roddy Ross. My phone turned off. Hang on. Wait. Ah, oh, there it goes. Thank God. Um, <clears throat> Robbie wrote a really incredibly nice uh, oh, email to us at netsmail, uh, netspot.gmail.com. Um, uh so basically he's talking a lot about um how we should get listeners to make us intros and outros um i'm I'm down with that i'm more so than so any any of you uh, producers out there um any of you uh you know certified beat makers hit makers um want to hook us up like definitely hit me up Next any of you dr dre's out, out there yeah jimmy iovines um so he's talking about it. he likes the oh we forgot about the Justin Hamilton drop the 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 squealing pig so <laughs> that's <laughs> not dead it's been taken yeah. to the butcher that drop um oh so he wants to basically talk about dropgate and so his my drop my, my final thought is, is anyone anyone it? who doesn't like your drops probably owns a Golden State Warriors jersey Steph Curry jersey smart so smart I take. thought that was a really hot, hot yeah. take um but uh, yeah well thanks thanks for hitting us up um. Oh my god! Somebody, somebody, uh, Joshy D, uh, shout out. Uh, he he sent me this um, email about looking at D'Angelo Russell's teeth, which I thought was interesting. He, was oh. like, Let's, <laughs> he compared it to Buddy Hield's teeth. He was just uh-uh. this is like a close look at the teeth. I'll have to analyze that one. Yeah, you take a peek at that one and see what you think. I um, don't know how much you're on Instagram, but are you? <laughs> Uh, I'm not. Well, I am. It's a secret account, though. It's called Dirty Carpet Boy. And I don't post anything. <laughs> is that actually what it's called? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is fun to have a social media engaged major net. You know, like Brooke the Wookiee would tweet out something randomly when he was at Disneyland, uh, which is not that fun. Jeremy Lin, I'm sorry, not the most fun follow. He tweets out some cool haircuts. Mm-hmm. I like that. But it's not my style. D'Angelo Russell, on the other hand, love it. Very Brooklyn. Very like him standing next to a wall mm. in clothes that are believed to be fashionable. Yeah. Um, I'm loving the social media engaged net. He's friends with Devin Booker. So mm. when the Nets create their dynasty of Instagram stars on the yeah. NBA, Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell. That's um, what's you know happen. what? I'm just going to give... I gotta give Josh T a proper roll out here, sorry, because he hit he emailed us twice and this parlays right into that. So here we go. Cheer, cheer, go. That's cheer boy. Joshy T How are those levels looking? Pretty good. The yells are yells are it's I'm a bit to, much, huh? I'm gonna have to figure out the yells, but it'll be fun. <laughs> sorry, I can pull the mic further It's away. not your yeah, it's not this big Um <clears throat> So he's this is your boy in uh, Australia, um, but he so here's my big question. I think that D'Angelo, what I get through his recent interviews with reporters, seems kind of fake and like one of those what? guys that looks he, out for himself. He's a ultimately, not truly a team guy like what Captain Karras. I feel like he would be one of those type of guys uh, that would 
sign with a super team in four years, that's not the Nets. Do you think that D'Angelo, <laughs> our best player, will become a guy to be proud of and trust as your franchise player? Um, so there's like there's some so there's some some slights in there that you know. I don't think any of us daggers straight to the to the newest star of the yeah. Nets, um, but I do think that the sort of um, actionable points of that question are, are interesting. Um, which is like, do you get the sense that this is the type of player that is going to jump ship? You know, at the at the first sign of, I don't know. I well, don't here's know. here's here's what if we're, we're going to play out that scenario, that would mean that D'Angelo Russell is really good. Yes. The fact that he could be a, a component in a super team and this is exactly my line of thinking and why would he be good he would be good because of kenny atkinson's development thus he would be <laughs> indebted to kenny atkinson and well i don't know people that play with kenny atkinson seem to only want to come back like damari carroll is all about it like, did you do were you watching when he did the interview with nba tv yeah yeah so and that was nice to, i mean he said all the cliches with like i've never been healthier um i just wanted to go like the nets i'm excited to be with the nets because of the culture and you know, blah, 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 blah. It, it is nice to hear, like, universally Kenny Atkinson gets praised for what he does for players, which is, di- mo- to be honest, most coaches don't get that. Most You don't hear that about, I don't know, name pretty much any coach out there, Mike Brown, let's say. They don't really get that. There's not, like, the connection between, like, this coach made me better. Most of the time, co- they, players feel like coaches, you know, held them back in some way as opposed to lifting them up Mm. um so it's important for the nets but again with d'angelo russell i mean there's definitely something um mysterious okay Mm. or i don't quite know what a Mm. je ne sais quoi about d'angelo he's unlike the other nets right Mm. he's unlike as as the email had said karis avert um ronde like he's not he's a different animal again his social media is a little more out there and a little more Mm. um trying to get those likes i don't but again what does that really mean you're just telling me that your your 16 year old nephew is taking snapshots uh, or snapchats snapshots damn it how old are you uh how old are you bright guy hang on yeah you're dumb um Snapchats of you <laughs> against your will, and you don't have the courage to stop it. But I also kind of love it. But I also kind of like it because I'm getting out there. If I if somebody took a Snapchat of me, I said, "What was that?" And they said a Snapchat. I'd be like, "Give me your phone. Give me, your phone. <laughs> give, me yeah. give me that phone. I don't need anybody knowing where I am at any point of the day." Yeah, you don't like you know that. what? Because I could be lying to somebody about where I am. A good friend. That's I, why you live in the Bronx. <laughs> what? Where do I live? The Bronx. I'm trying to say, like, oh, I'm trying to lie oh, about where you live. Smart. smart. Yeah. No, I get you. Oh, I get you. Yeah, you know cool, what I'm saying? Cool, smooth. But, um, again, if D'Angelo Russell is the type of person that would leave for a super team, he has to be good enough to be a part of the super team. And if he's good enough to be part of a super team, well, that means the Nets are doing well. And I will take that. Like, if he's that good, then, then I will take it. And Sherpa Marks, thank you everyone who, <laughs> who have... Who have uh, uh, what he photoshopped his face on Sherpas? Sherpa marks will probably then trade him. Um, let's let's see if we can keep that going. That phenomenon of Sherpa marks. Um, that's an interesting one. There was a Sherpa off the other day, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and um, and they were all pretty good and successful. But if you want to send in your yeah, Sherpa marks, some, some good photoshops. Let me know. Okay, last one, last one. Here we go. Cheer boy. <laughs> Brett 
Garofalo. Um, thank you, Brett. Uh, so he says, hey, guys, what is the best case, worst case for Karis LeVert's career? Um, then he says some really nice things. He says, uh, lastly, I'm a lifelong Nets fan. I don't think I've ever missed a pod. There are many of us out there, so it's really great to have a consistent connection with other folks that are just as passionate about this team. Best, Brett from Austin, Texas. I like the, the fans that are um, from faraway places. And, yeah. and we're, we're their, we're their, their flagpole. For the Nets. Uh, yeah. Nice. I don't nice. know what that means. Um, so he says, I haven't been very impressed with his development in these past two summer league games and need Milton to ground Doyle. my expectations a bit. You don't want to hear what Mike has to say about it. In my opinion, his shot selection has been questionable. His release is consistent and often without follow through. He dr- His drive's a bit too wild. His defense suspect for some oh, of his length. God. His just beating him up. So the... I don't know. What, what's, what's your hot take on Karis LeVert's ceiling? I mean, he's a unique player. Was uh, he ever going to be the kind of player that that uniformly fills up the stat sheet like like maybe we were hoping for a, a year ago? I'm not sure he ever gets to that point. Um, I'm I, trying to think of like a really interesting comparison well, for him, but so I can't. This isn't exact, but like something like the role that Iguodala plays on the Warriors, mm-hmm. I could see LeVert playing like mm-hmm. that. I mean... It, Lavert will will not be the defender Iguodala is, but Iguodala, not much of a scorer, but can score a little bit, mm. handles the ball, sort of fills the gaps. I'll say best case, worst case. So the worst case scenario is Travis Outlaw. That's that's for me <laughs> the worst case scenario. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's he's just you know what do happen. I do? He, he does he, more interesting things than Travis Outlaw has done yeah. in a long time. Obviously, if he starts hitting shots, like you could say this about anyone, but if he starts hitting shots, he'll become a much more interesting player. If he can hit three pointers, he's very interesting. Just because he's not the, you know, when we say three and D, typically three and D guys just can only do shoot threes and play D. And not like Levert's a great defender, but he can handle the ball. There's a sense of what's going on the basketball court that he has that not many players his size does have. I'm not saying he's not Magic Johnson, but he has. He understands angles a little bit more than most guys. There's also the, I mean, the fact that he hits difficult shots pretty regularly is good. Like, so I think his, when we point to Kirsten LeVert's misses, they're generally those corner threes that don't fall, which is something that he That's a problem. absolutely <laughs> needs. He shot really poorly. I think he shot 17% in summer league from three. Really bad. Um, the Nets still don't have a, like a, a good three-point shooter. But he can pop a, a fadeaway like you know a drifting fadeaway pretty uh competently so it's like those if you can have those mechanics in place the corner threes are only you know they're you just add them on quickly and i think he he's you would tell he's thinking about three pointing three pointers and hitting three pointers while he's playing like in summer league it was obvious that you know almost if you if you removed his three pointers from his field goal percentage he would his shooting was like really good but then he would shoot a bunch of threes because he knows he has to work on it, and it's a thing that right. people talk about with him. And then he doesn't make them. Yeah, he's not horrible at it. And you and you know, as you talk about mechanics, it seems like he can do it. Um, again, I still think his ceiling is somewhere around like again the Igudala level. I think it's a mm-hmm. guy who Igudala obviously scored a lot of points actually earlier in his career he, when he took over for Allen Iverson in Philly, but. A guy who is 15, 16 points a game at the maximum, 
but then does the four assists, five rebounds, solid D, uh, moves the ball. He'll never be a ball hog, which is an important well, aspect. Somebody was saying um, uh, a good um, a good comparison for him was um, oh, Jesus, uh, Manu Ginobili, um, which I thought was an interesting one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, but that's – so Manu's tough, obviously, because he's so he was so good. I mean, he'll never be right. as good. He's as not going to be like in his best years. He was like in a you know scoring twenty a point, uh, twenty game and stuff. But um, yeah, like somewhere on one end of the spectrum. But like he's like a playmaker. That's like um, the the plays that he make like really stand out in your mind. He's not going to average eight assists per game or whatever. Right. <clears throat> but the things that the second pass, all those things kind of stand out in your mind as a guy that just swings the rock. Well, and it's I'm really interested to see when he does play with D'Angelo and Jeremy Lin. Because the pressure will be off him. Like in summer league, there I don't know how much pressure he felt, but there's pressure on him to be the best player, right? I mean, there's an understanding that he's this beautiful little budding flower um, that the Nets are trying to grow into be, you know, one of the one of the better players in their future. So I'm sure there's some pressure on him to perform up to that level to meet those expectations. And I'm excited to see him with Lynn and D'Angelo because. Those are two guys that are going to be handling the ball the most. They're going to be able to do a lot offensively. Um, and Levert will then, what we talked his second action. He'll be the second action guy as opposed to the first action guy. And that's his best spot. His best spot is not the guy who's running the pick and roll. His best spot is the guy who's off to the side of the pick and roll waiting for the pass to then. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a different lane opportunity than other dudes. So, mm-hmm. But he still needs to hit three-pointers. Yeah, got to do it. That was, that uh, was an unexpectedly fruitful question. Uh, Brett Garofalo, thank you for that. And thank you to all the other emailers. There's a couple other guys. It's your boy Mike Williams, your boy Lou Estevez. i got to get to you guys uh, next week. I'm yeah. sorry, brothers. Uh, real quick, Milton Doyle. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Uh, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about? No, I mean, I think we'll... we'll so, real quick, uh, I think we should hit on the salary cap space. What do you think the Nets are going to do? Basically, like... So the main question is, are they going to try to sign someone else or are they going to use it for trade? And in my opinion, they don't sign anyone because there's no one really worth signing. Mm-hmm. There are good RFAs still available, and we love the RFA market. Nerlens Noel is still out there to be had, mm-hmm. um, and he certainly would fit a massive need for this team, an actual center. But it seems unlikely that the did Mavs they, gonna... did the, they did the psychological testing and, and he didn't make the grade. Who? Neural, what? Neurons. Dallas did? I'm not saying what I know, but apparently they looked into it. This it is Dallas that did this? I'm not saying who did it. Or the Nets. I'm not saying if it's What do you know? It's just that, you know, I know that they uh, they took a long look and the, um, you know, could, couldn't find someone to vouch. But... I think he's he's the biggest name for the RFAs. There's like guys like Alex Len and Mr. Plumley that are still out. There. Would you welcome Miles Plumley back? Miles Plumley? Marshall Plumley. Which Plumley is it? Mason. Mason. I always forget. Um, would I welcome him back? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people. No? The people. There's a, a contingent of other contingency of people out there that are like deep into committed to dying on Mason Plumley Hill. You know because. Yeah. The the advanced analytics bear out some information about his passing and maybe, but like I just mm, I want to be excited about Jared Allen and that's and Mason Plumley blocking him from you know that that would just bug me. Yeah, I understand that. 
I don't know. So do you think do you, are the Nets going to try to make any more signings of significance? Uh, of significance is pretty subjective, and I'm not sure how to factor that into my, <laughs> my answer. Um, I I think that they probably need a third big man of some kind, um, just as a body. But outside of like how how relevant that signing is, I I don't know. I mean, and I still think they would. Um, the smarter move is to go into the season with a ton of cap space mm-hmm. to then become the facilitator in the Carmelo trade or any other big trade. There are dump candidates out there that need to be dumped. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, that teams don't have to teams that are above the tax. The, the only time when they technically qualify to be over the tax and have to then pay the tax is like later in the season, like in the trade deadline area. Mm-hmm. So, all those teams, let's say there are there's half the leagues over the tax. Some of those teams aren't going to be good. There's owners are not going to want to pay the tax. Yeah, those are the teams that are going to be calling the Nets, saying, "Hey, we have this dude. Yeah, we'll give you our first round pick for to take on a bad contract." And at that point, what will be interesting is that because those teams aren't good, that first round pick will be in the lottery, mm-hmm. and that then you're moving up into a higher territory. So it's just going to be smarter for them to Playing wait. Playing the long game smelts. That's so, what I'm saying. So patient all of a sudden. I'm a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. Was By it? the way, I said this, and I want to get your point on this. Mm-hmm. I, and I think you're going to disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Greatest TV show of all time is Game of Thrones. Um, But yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. I don't really like, I don't have a strong, like, there's not another show that I can think of that I've seen as much of and care as much about. Okay. Like I stopped watching Breaking Bad or whatever. Well, oh yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> was it? I don't know. It got, yeah, it so ended. It ended on the like whole a, deal is a like freight train. Like Jesse Pinkman being the sole reason for any dramatic anything happening was super annoying. Yeah, I think I've heard you say that before. I'm fine. I, right, the the show ended ended on such a high note that I I do think people's idea of the show itself is warped, like. Because it ended so well, we kind of forget that there were a couple of yeah, just care. low periods of where they're just basically yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, I should say that I'm going to do uh, a big favor for Triple A, Robbie Rose. Everyone else, just watch out for this. Just... What the fuck? fuck? That's for you, Robbie. All right. Should we wrap it up? Yes, let's. Um Follow us on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, NetsPod at Gmail for the email. Um, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio. Heck yeah. iTunes, search for us, give us ratings. I'm loving it so far. I think we're at 45 ratings of five stars. No, man, we're up to 49. Oh, really? It does mean a lot to us, honestly. We should we should start the show being like, yo, give me those ratings. Um, Turns out they're really important. And if you aren't downloading us, download us. Download and delete. That's all you need to do, right? You're <laughs> the money it. guy. You know That's it. That's it. Um, okay. Thanks, everybody. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.